welcome back to Share the Load. Um, we're going to do things a little differently today. I'm going to be interviewed by CJ Kitten Miller, um, my dear friend. And um, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, um, I'm CJ Kitten Miller, and I'm Mia's friend. <laughs> <laughs> I said that already. And I, and I, love, I love them, and um, we have a lot of overlapping work. Uh, in sort of education realms and that's specifically what we're going to talk about today. Um, I could interview me about a lot of things, but that is like our particular target we want to move into. So uh, I'm going to, my first question is just, <laughs> we're getting into it because we also... Okay, let's do it. We're on a time, a deadline. We're on a time constraint time always. Um so hmm. um, scarce sometimes yeah. um, more need more abundance of time I think yes every, everyone could use that um but speaking of time mm-hmm. uh, have there been and this is just kind of interesting I think regardless of what practice you're talking about but have there been any particular like identifiable moments or singular experience or multiple experiences that you've had that you feel like were sort of what I would call like hinge mm-hmm. moments in terms of your trajectory in engagement with consent as mm-hmm. like an idea. So maybe shifting like your philosophy around it or a significant moment where you became aware of your practice in it mm-hmm. that sort of pulled you in the direction to wanting to do the education work you do now or even just how you are trying to like implement these things in your life right Mm -hmm. we have these moments when like our ideologies and our practices and behaviors like shift in these significant ways so maybe this isn't the case for you but uh, perhaps there's an experience or two that you could talk about yeah yeah definitely I think there's like the sort of uh like life moments that um I think have led me to think about these things the way that I do, um, that are personal, like that at the time I wouldn't have thought were going to like impact the work that I do. But then when I kind of look back in like an autobiographical way, there's like really specific things that happened either like moments when my consent was violated or that I violated someone's consent or like didn't quite understand the dynamics at play that I think really shaped how I was thinking about um, how to approach these things, just like just in a personal way. But in terms of were they like small moments? In ter- some, and that's why it feels like maybe perhaps at the time mm-hmm. they weren't such sort of like whoa, like yeah, profound. Does that make sense? Or yeah, say, or, or is it just what of what of the nature of them? I'm just curious. I'm curious since I think it was important that you noted that contextually, like I don't know. Yeah. It weren't. It doesn't sound like they're these huge grandiose moments. So I'm just curious, right. or maybe they are. Some some were. I mean, expand there was, on that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, one I think was uh, was an assault that I experienced when I was 19, um, and it took me 10 almost 10 years to 
even realize that it was an assault. Like, I, I understood that it was really impactful. I understood that my life changed in that moment and my relationship to sex changed in that moment. Um, because after that, I started having panic attacks during sex and, like, it became this thing that I always had to talk to someone about when I was, like, you know, sleep, sleeping with a new person. Um, and I even would, like, describe the experience of dissociating, but I didn't know the term dissociation. And then it was so many years later that I kind of, like, had this, um, you know, like, cracking open moment of, like, oh, my God, that's what that was. And that's why it impacted me the way that it did. Um, and then I even understood, like, why I kind of, like, went back to that relationship and all this stuff. What changed for you in your framing of it? Mm. Well, in that moment of, like, understanding. You said that, like, something cracked, right? Yeah. So, like, it sounds like you had, over time, some recontextualization yes. of this. Yeah. Perhaps beyond, like, protective dissociation. Yeah. Which you've named. Yeah. Which is important, but I'm curious if there's something else there. I was seeing a sexological body worker. Um, this was like before the pandemic, the year before the pandemic or so. And I think he was able to put names to things. And then I had even like heard those words like, you know, trauma, PTSD, dissociation, um, before but like and understood them kind of conceptually but I think there was like this clicking thing that happened in that session where I was like oh that's what I was experiencing um and that kind of changed how I understood the whole thing um both like what had happened and then also like my experience afterwards I think also what what I what happened was something that was very, very nebulous. Like, it was not something that I could clearly or would even now label rape. It wasn't something that, like, I didn't speak up. Um, I recognized even at the time that I did feel a significant power dynamic, but I also recognized that, like, he did also. I think, and I don't, that's not to excuse what he did. I mean, I can describe it like it was, we agreed to use a condom the first time we had sex. I gave him a condom and then he like entered me without a condom and I dissociated and was kind of like making it like excuses for him in my head. Like maybe he knows something that I don't know or like he, but we hadn't even talked about like STIs or anything. And so I like that happened and then after that sex was extremely painful for me with him which I think was another kind of like protective thing and so um I would like push through pain during sex with him and then ask one time asked him to stop and he got so furious with me like stormed out of the room um was like, what am I supposed to do with this? And like, um, tried to kind of, I mean, like pressure me into going down on him with, without a single moment of like, are you okay? You know, like I'm in pain and I'm saying, ow and stop. And, um, and he's like, like 
the problem now is that he still hasn't had an orgasm and like we now have to deal with that and I was like I'm I need I need care now you know uh, he stormed out of the room and then, like, sort of came back and was like, I'm so sorry. That was, like, the worst thing I could have done to you. And then it happened, like, multiple more times. So that was, uh, like, that led to many future instances of kind of uh, pushing through pain or even, like, having to pee or, like, needing water. And then eventually, like, breaking down, pushing someone off of me and, like, breaking down crying and, like, apologizing to them. And their confusion was confusing to me. Um, but so that was like a thing that was very gray, like very nebulous. And, um, I think some people would define that as rape. You know, you agree to have sex a certain way and then someone has sex with you in a different way. Like, I think some people would consider that rape. I think some people wouldn't. I don't really know how to classify that, but either way, like regardless of what we want to like define that as it had an, a really significant impact on me and it was very traumatizing. And so I think there's a way that, like, I don't, I don't, you know, w without, like, absolving him of responsibility, like, I don't think that what he did was cool. I do think there were substances involved. I think we were both very young. And um, so I don't name him and I don't, like, want him to, like, you know, lose his livelihood or like his community at all and I feel like that like understanding how how gray that was like was kind of a a beginning of like thinking about these things the way that I do and then there were small moments like to your question there there was a very small moment where like I had a roommate who I recognized as like very insecure and um, you know, was trying to impress me and trying to impress a lot of other people. And I remember, um, the way that I saw her kind of like handle a breakup was very much, um, I don't know, like in the vein of kind of cancellation, like this person, you know, she was like breaking up. It was like our freshman year of college and she was breaking up with her high school boyfriend and she was like smearing him and then sleeping with other people, like his friends in particular, and then talking a lot of shit about them to me. And I remember thinking like, if I just like remove myself from this person's life, um, you know, do, does she learn? How does she learn? How do things change if not by kind of exposure and like patience with people who are different um, and who have like different beliefs? Um, so that was, I remember kind of a thing. Also, I, I my, like longest term relationship was with someone who was like in the punk community and I remember hearing about various members of that community getting ostracized with like no explanation of like what they did wrong or why people were upset with them and just being told that they weren't allowed in places anymore um and this was at you know I was 23 or 24 and I just remember thinking like that's so fucked up like how does that help it just like uproots the harm and like moves it into a new community I mean it depends yeah right like if someone doesn't have, like, any level of community that's helping them through that, I mean, we don't really know, right? Like, yeah, it's not often the case, I think, in dependent on, like, what community you're coming from. If we're talking about punk, it's likely mm -hmm. we're talking about, like, dominantly a lot of, like, 
punk, punk in this dominant way or whatever. It's probably a lot of like white cis straight yeah. men, um, which, yeah, I think I do. I feel like oftentimes that is necessary, right? If that's like what is a direct ask or like supports the needs of these people who've been harmed in these spaces. If like they don't want that person in that space anymore, that feels like a very fair ask. Right. Mm -hmm. But then like if, yeah, if that person is just like picking up and leaving town and no one really knows about it and they just kind of like go elsewhere and Mm -hmm. continue operating in these particular ways, which I feel like most of the time people are just like also like, relatively unawares yeah. of how much harm they're causing right. all the time. This was someone... I think there are malicious, like, horrible people. Right, I, mean, I do too. I, I'm, I'm a misanthrope, for sure. <laughs> 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 I'm not, like, uh, trying to proselytize, like, the yeah. good of humanity or anything like that. But I do think a, a large degree of really fucked up, horrible, awful violence happens um, because people are, like, unaware of how they're doing harm. I agree. To, to, a, to a varying degree. Um, and I don't want to ex- sound like I'm excusing it in any way. But as someone who has, like, experienced really, really great harm from someone who I, yeah, I fully believe had no ill intention, but just was more or less incapable mm-hmm. um, because of various, like, behavioral coping mechanisms and, and various ways in which she moves through the world that, like... Yeah. Um, it, it was not malicious, but it was awful and yeah. completely life-changing for me in a, in a horrendous way um so yeah I think but to that nuance of that I just think yeah if those people had people supporting them also through yeah. this in other ways I think definitely someone losing access to a particular space mm-hmm. where they were doing harm and yeah. in this case I mean we hear, see this a lot in music it's often like older musicians sort of consistently I hear I shouldn't say like often but consistently when I do hear these things it's about like there is this particular power dynamic right of like Mm -hmm. someone who like is in a band so therefore is like desirable or cool or has some sort of clout in in that particular group and then maybe like younger people who right um you know there's like a disparity of like gender and power in there also where and I guess this is what we were talking about the other day around, like, it's, a, like, a consequence, right? Like, I think right. they're, they're, I believe in consequences. Yeah. Especially when, or, like, contingent and directly correlated to, like, how much of an abuse of power is occurring. And if there's a pattern, I think, also. And if there's a pattern. There, that's, like, a significant um, thing as well. This was, this was something where my understanding of it was that this was a guy who was going to shows and had squeezed the butts of a couple of a few women and no one had said anything to him like in the moment and then people were just telling him that he wasn't allowed at these shows but like not telling him why and um that to me felt like you know if if we're not going to be explaining to people like what's also I think there's this was like 10 over 10 years ago and you know not that I think that that behavior was ever okay but you see that behavior exemplified elsewhere and then it isn't allowed in certain spaces 
And then if we don't explain to people, like, why people are upset with them, and we just tell them that they are bad, I don't know that that's, like, that's not how I want to approach this stuff. No, me, me neither, for sure. That's a great way of putting that. Yeah. Um, com- completely. Yeah. yeah. Because people are being educated all the time in Unconsciously. the world to varying degrees of consciousness, ranging yeah. from like fully conscious to subconscious, right? Right. Like mid-conscious, all these like processes of telling us how we're supposed to move through the world, right? Right, you know, right. Or you see, you know... Sidewalks uh, tell us where to walk, you know? Sure. Like, even the architecture of a city is dictating and telling us things, right. you know? Um, Commercials, movies, television. A bar across a bus bench that is preventing people from sleeping there. Right. Is saying... You're not uh, allowed to is, sleep. Yeah, is, and is, is dictating, like, what we're supposed to believe around these things, right? right? So, like... People are are getting that information, and I think if we are trying to like alter that trajectory for people or help them into mm-hmm. coming into like yeah, I'm not. And again, like I think it's not like oh well, you just didn't know any better. Like, but like, sure. but but we can also turn a situation like that into a moment of perhaps like mitigating future harm. Yeah for ourselves for other people right um through like teach teaching people yeah people aren't consistently exposed to like alternative ways of of thinking yeah right when i see that as our like collective responsibility and collective accountability is like if we and you know i'm not putting that bar on that bench and i'm not making sleepless in seattle and yeah blah 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 but i am also like part of a larger culture that like is doing that and so if i'm we are complicit we're complicit almost right almost everyone so i think like my responsibility then to people who are then like perpetuating what they learn is to like i don't know i think we all can be supporting each other and like unlearning those things and recognizing when someone's behavior is like they're they're mimicking what they've seen on TV and then you know do we punish them for that and i don't really believe in punishment i want to finish answering your question in terms of the like origin stuff um another i think somewhat small moment in my life was as a teenager someone who i had done a summer program with um a boy uh on AIM. A boy person. A boy person. Um, at, like a cisgender boy person? At the time, at least, yeah. a cisgender boy person um, messaged me on, on AIM and told me that he had been raped. And I think it kind of, like, rocked my world that that was possible. And it helped me understand that, like, there is sort of a misconception that that's, like, a thing that only happens unilaterally across gender like between you know like the one well, and and maybe we do a reframe here where we're even talking about certain bodies yeah and less yes penetration genders. and right so that was definitely something that kind of like shaped how I think about this work and I think you probably see it in a lot of the way that I talk about these things and um but then in terms of like the work itself becoming like part of my job um I trained to be an intimacy coordinator at the beginning of 2019 
and I had dealt with chronic illness all my life that was like mysterious and undiagnosed. Mm -hmm. And so right when I started training to be an intimacy coordinator, I found a doctor and got my diagnoses and it turned out I had five different things going on. And so as I was learning about like trauma and boundaries and, um, consent, um, I was also learning to like reconnect with my body and learn to listen to it and really began reckoning with the ways that I had crossed my own boundaries, especially around like what my body was comfortable with. Yes, sexually, but also just like interpersonally and especially around the food I was eating that was making me horribly sick. Um, and the ways that I had like all my life kind of told my body to shut up and just like be normal. Um, and so it just learned to scream louder and louder and louder at me. Um, and I remember like learning about consent, both at a dungeon for that training. And then also like within that training, um, and realizing like, and watching my life change so rapidly and so much for the better. So I knew that I wanted to work out like how to teach this stuff beyond just like working on TV sets. Um, so I started teaching classes and then I started like a one-on-one -on -one sort of structure and then the pandemic happened. So at that point I kind of said like, what can I offer my community from home? Realized I could teach consent online and then that's how Consent Wizardry happened. And you feel passionate about it, and that's what drives you to yeah. want to do it. Yeah, I think it's something that kind of um, has become like a lens through which I see most things. Um, like I've long believed that like kind of the purpose of being alive is like relationships and connection, and I think consent is a really cool framework in which to like look at those relationships and kind of like I studied philosophy in college so this kind of feels like a, a way into like a moral philosophy around like relationships and connection with everything like between people between humans and the non-people I mean this world. is an important pro yeah thing that I wanted yeah. to name here because I think a lot of people think about consent in a very like particular context yeah hyper-specific probably often most people who hear this podcast maybe already uh, automatically think yeah around sexual assault so like even just framing consent immediately in a sexual way between mm -hmm. various people but also then in like kind of a, a violent or like crossing mm -hmm. over way right but mm -hmm. what we're ta talking about here is consent yeah with everything around us mm -hmm. and with, with ourselves with soil you're yeah with the water engaging in with the water mm -hmm. that we have with various plant kin yeah and animal kin mm -hmm. in a way that disestablishes some sort of like species hierarchy, hierarchy all of these things yeah. right um so for everyone out there like it's a great if you haven't thought about this already this is a, a great place to start is start thinking about how you're in relationship with everything around you and you have a responsibility yeah to all those things, you know? Yeah, it's interesting, too, because I think what where where my mind goes with that is, like, this idea of, like, responsibility that's detached from blame. Yeah. Which I think is, like, where we kind of wanted to go 
right? Yeah, yeah. You meant like us in this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish that was where culture wanted to go. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's like some people that want to go there, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, totally. Responsibility where your own specific responsibility is involved in everything that you engage in. Yeah. And moving away from blame. Right. There, there's something that it's interesting to be at like kind of this point in whatever this career is that I've built for myself where I'm like being quoted back to myself about with like quotes that I don't agree with anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> shit, like that just exists out there, you know? Yeah. But so there's this, well, there's, we'll make mistakes. I know, right. Or like, <laughs> things change, no blame there, yeah. but responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, someone recently quoted me back to myself about saying that like, it's the person in the position of power's responsibility to mitigate the power dynamic. And I was like, oh fuck. Like I don't, that is idealistic which perhaps also employ Im, implies a, a sole responsibility exactly. kind of right a sole responsibility and also a singular power dynamic and an obvious power dynamic right and i think where i'm at now with power dynamics is like like one of my favorite ones to bring up in class is like what about the power dynamic of like it's your birthday and like how hard it is to say no to you on your birthday or how hard it would be to be like, hey, I don't really like that thing that you just did, but it's like your birthday. Or if you're <laughs> a toxic people pleaser yes. and people are trying to do things for you yes. on your birthday that you don't want to do, but you just go along with it. Right. And then you have like the worst birthday ever. Yeah. This happened to someone very dear to me yeah. recently was, um, yeah, a a, a, par- a party being forced on them. Right. Um, that they definitely didn't want to do. Yep. But fully fucking did it. <laughs> and yeah. And were like miserable about it. And it's like, yeah. So like. Wow. Yeah, you know. Right. But so that's like a, that's, that's a great example of like the way that power dynamics often are even like subjective and in the eye of the beholder where like someone else at that party probably felt like they couldn't say no and had to be like just, you know, like, um, exuberantly, like, happy and positive to the person whose birthday it is. Meanwhile, that person is like, I have to be nice to all these people because they came to celebrate me, you know? Totally. I have the beholder when there's people of, like, like, equitable interpersonal dynamic, not so much, like, when there's bigger systemic stuff. But there's never only one bigger systemic dynamic at play no of course of course not but there's significant moments right where someone yes there are some that are very obvious but like you could take like an example would be you know let's say that like someone there's a boss employee dynamic right? right and that seems like an obvious power dynamic but let's say the boss is a trans woman and the employee is a cis man and let's say the employee is older than the boss of, of course. Like, it's just multi-layered. Like, it's, it's, I would say... But this is a good example, too, because yeah. for me, I do a lot of teaching mm-hmm. and education. I almost never, ever, ever will fuck one of my students. Right. Regardless oh, yeah, of yeah. other things that are going on. Just purely, you know, that person could have so much more significant power and access than I yeah. do as a trans woman. Right. Like, I'm, I'm white and have a lot of other privileges, but whatever. If there's other... But, like, because of that teacher-student dynamic, 
and the way I see that function yeah um, as like in terms of a, a potential to influence right um, or just yeah there is a very particular relationship that occurs in that way yeah that to me I'm like I'm not gonna I'm not never say never yeah <laughs> but like that is like a, a yeah that's very, a, a that no, is a no. strong no for me almost always totally there's like if we take it outside of the context of sex um let's say that student then asks you if you um would be willing to like give a talk at their uh you know like reading group and then you feel like you don't like then you are in a position where like you maybe want to say yes but you want to be paid for it and then they like don't have enough money to offer like it's just outside of the realm of sex there are like these little moments of power dynamics at play I mean the power dynamics are always at play but like these little moments that where we're like navigating those dynamics often unconsciously totally like the the sleeping with a student one feels like a, a an obvious example like it's like a glaring example right. I think there's moments where it's like just I feel like I can't say no to you you know right. and then it's like well I have a, an example of like uh and a, so this is a great thing for us to get onto yeah is this idea of like I just can't say no yeah well like so so why right why why can't you say no yeah and if you're not able to or let me reframe that if no is being harder to access for you, how much are you responsible for that? Yeah. Is sort of what we're trying to talk about effectively. Yeah. Right? Because sometimes our, when we don't communicate or feel we cannot communicate, yeah. there is a, a significant amount of responsibility that is on us Right. that we could change. And there is a very important responsibility to communicate your boundaries to other yes. people. And not that we're blaming right. anyone. Mm-hmm. As we talk about, we're getting away from mm-hmm. blame. Um, I'm also, our joke about this is like, I don't want anyone to think I'm like a trans girl out here <laughs> uh, perpetuating the stereotypes of uh, encouraging like non-consensual uh, <laughs> engagement in anything. but but Or like excusing abuse in any way. Me and I are not doing that right now. Mm-hmm. What we are talking about is this idea that, yeah, you can cross your own boundaries, you can have your boundaries crossed, and sometimes there mm-hmm. are instances where you have a significant responsibility in that happening, and if you had done able, or if you were in a place to do things differently, could mitigate a significant amount of harm by articulating about these things. And if you don't communicate your boundaries to someone and someone crosses your boundaries, not having an understanding of that, that's, there's a more nuanced engagement of consent happening in these instances where I think it is very shitty to blame in general, but to blame someone for that when they were unaware of a way in which something has been crossed for you or you're crossing right. your own boundaries, then it's not so yep. binary and skewed in like a guilty, innocent way, of course, which these concepts are never accurate or right. true. Right. 
yeah, I mean, any binary, like, raises red flags for me. Like, I should always, like, interrogate anything that comes through as a binary. I think, you know... And certainly anything pertaining to guilty and innocent. Yes, guilty and innocent. Right. Good and bad. Yeah. These ways we want to posit people in these interactions so that we can feel innocent and we can assign guilt, which is something I read about in abolitionist thought all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a way that, like, like, so in my example, like, from my own life, you know, I didn't say stop. I didn't say, like, when he wasn't using a condom. I didn't say stop. I didn't say anything. I was dissociating. So it's not like I didn't say no and I need to like blame myself for that. But I didn't say anything. And my, the fact that I dissociated doesn't make it his fault. Like the fact that I didn't say anything uh, as a result of dissociating does not suddenly like put blame on him. I don't think what he did was cool. I'm not excusing what he did. I think it's really fucked up. Um, but I think it's important for me to recognize, like, I I didn't say anything. And so this is not, like, a... I don't think that these things are ever, like, super 100%, like, you know... There's... I think it's a shared responsibility. Totally. I do think it's a it's shared, a shared responsibility. responsibility. And, and for, which varies again degree yeah. to degree the amount of shared responsibility yes. in terms of how proportionate it is to each right. other. Right. I was younger than yeah. him. I had a significantly less sexual experience than he did. Um, I was sort of putting a lot of trust in him and I was deferring to his judgment in a lot of ways. Um, I think it's a lot more equitably. Mm-hmm. more evenly distributed than we would like to pretend that it yeah. is in a lot of instances. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't think or that... Or again, at least, let me, let me rephrase. In, there, are, there are instances I see often where people are talking about consent violations yeah. and it feels much more nuanced than like one person crossed someone's boundaries and that's it. I think there's also a really important thing to bring up here, which is the fallibility of memory. And when oftentimes, like when you revisit something again and again, or you talk to friends about it, there's a way that the like hindsight and other people's input wants to categorize things as like that clear. And sometimes that can happen and I, I think totally. when when we're looking at consent as like as binary in the sense of like you either consented or you didn't then then we're just trying to kind of stratify what happened into one category or the other as opposed as opposed to being able to look at it like you know there was a part of me that wanted to do it there was a part of me that went along with it there was a part of me that didn't want to do it like all those parts of me were existing there there was a part of me maybe that like it physically felt good even though emotionally i wasn't ready and even these criteria sort of propose that we are even aware of it yeah and a lot of times i have only realized that my boundary has been crossed much later yeah after the incident in some sort of retrospective way mm-hmm. where I come into some awareness, kind of like what you were talking about with mm-hmm. this story that we've talked about. Like there's various instances, like when it first happened that you didn't frame it in this particular way. It was yeah. much later that you came to understand that. And so 
I think there's a lot of ways we don't understand what's going in our body, on yeah. our body, able to communicate with our body, able to like have that awareness. Only yeah. through like a lot of practice have I gotten much better at being like, these are my boundaries. These are this what, is what it feels this like. This is what it even fucking feels like in this moment. This is how I communicate about those things. And even then, still, there's a lot of times where like, yeah, yeah I'll be like, oh, wow, like that, you know. I think for me in my BDSM practice, that happens like all, all, all the time where I'm, where like after the fact, think about things and be like, huh. Or like maybe I'm just, maybe even not it was violated in that moment, but by thinking about it, I develop a new way of thinking about it, communicating and moving forward yes. that shifts my boundaries, right? right? That process of like of reflection, I think is so important and so valuable. And I think sometimes it can veer into the realm of like, and that was, and therefore that was fucked up and you were wrong to have, not you, the other yeah. person was wrong to have done that. As opposed to what I think most of this stuff boils down to, which is like, oh, I learned something about myself. I learned that I don't like that. I learned that that's not okay with me or that it's not okay with me with that person. Great. That's information for me about who I am. Yeah. And... And coming into terms that we are going to consistently violate people's yes. consent all yes. of the time. Right. And also have our consent violated, violated just in our in our life right. in general. Right. Like, taken even out of a BDSM context. But for me, that's like a really specific sort of containered space where I'm right. like, this is like part of my engagement with this process is like, I'm interested in like moving up to my boundaries yep. because it's fucking hot and exciting and interesting for me. Yep. And in that, I also effectively like, as like I, when try, in trying to get as close as I can, inevitably people are going to go over right. and, and, and vice versa. Yes. And that is totally fine because right. it is something that we are communicating about and articulating and both parties are aware that like those are the parameters of right. us engaging in this thing these things might happen and if it happens it's not an assault or an abuse right it's like a part of ours being in relationship with each other and i think something that is so often missing from any situation like this sexual or not is the the like guaranteed check-in afterwards whether or feedback like some kind of and that doesn't have to be like we put it on the calendar kind of thing but like if that's just part of your relationship is yeah. like you know letting your friend know like I actually don't like compliments about my body totally. you know for example like we're violating people's consent I go to I go to um and that often happens because like someone has said something to us right and I'm like that sucked that didn't yeah. feel great Right. I don't like being called babe, except done, by you had, and yeah. one other friend. And we've had this conversation. Yes, and we've had this conversation. Stuff, yeah. But I get called babe all the time. Yeah. Is that person assaulting me? No. 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 Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm just like, I don't like it. You, you know? don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. But they're also like, I go to, I go to line dancing and that thing is packed. Yeah. I get kicked in the shins with cowboy boots. Like, yeah. is that infringing on my bodily autonomy? Like, Kinda, but yeah. like I'm agreeing to this dynamic. I'm entering into You're this entering, with risk awareness. Yeah. There is a in that case. There's a particular sort of like unspoken agreement. Yes. happening. In this that. Is, people are going to bump into you. People are going to you know? bump into you. At if the, you don't like at, being touched by accident, don't go. Or, yeah, put yourself. Removed. Or go yeah, outside yeah, of the well, main yeah. the dance floor. Yeah, yeah. And if you put yourself in that spot then you have a responsibility yeah. to 
being kicked in the shit. Right, right. It's not your <laughs> fault. You didn't deserve it. Yeah, you didn't deserve yeah, it. Yeah, because you wore a short skirt or whatever. Totally. But it's like, but, and, and, but, yeah, like, I mean, no, that's a terrible example. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible, but I'm like seeing a parallel there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, because people blame people for what they wore, and that's so fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying the it's good like, example is I broke my dancing. shin at line yeah. dancing, and I should have known, and I deserved it. Like, that's exactly. not what I'm saying. No. I'm saying that, and like, I'm not saying, fuck those people, how dare they kick me at line dancing. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah. 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 There was something in there that I wanted to get at, and I can't remember exactly, but. Oh, shit. Um, it's okay. Something about blame and, um, I don't know. Maybe the, where do we want to go from well, here? Well, I just think, yeah, this is maybe just a good place to sit and talk about, I think this is just worth mulling over more, this idea yeah. of, like, where... And the shared responsibility. Shared responsibility and, and not being so quick to immediately categorize things in like I remember such like blameful violent yes. terms when right. things ha- happen yeah I think okay so there's a a thing that I think relates to this which is the that I've seen this kind of like uptick in like people become aware of consent in this sort of like more embodied like practiced way as opposed to like this moment of like permission that like people boil consent down to permission Uh and um when people sort of sort of start to like think about it this way there's a way that um i think because the brain like wants to categorize things and have it be as easy as like you either consented or you didn't there's a way that i see an overuse of the word non-consensual where it's like Every, like, I've heard people say, you know, every kind of harm, like, boils down to some kind of, like, non-consensual act. And I'm, I just, I don't agree with that, because I think that oftentimes, like, non-consensual, or, like, not non-consensual, harm happens because people have conflicting needs, because they don't communicate, because they didn't know their boundaries, and I don't think that labeling these things as non-consensual is benefiting us because it tries to fit things into this paradigm of like well then there's someone who like a perpetrator and a victim yeah or people are 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 like back to what we're talking about complicitly moving forward larger machinations Mm -hmm. of like societal things that are happening so like cj myself doing i do like interpersonal harm consistently in our relationship but then there are bigger ways in which just my like living yeah. and moving through the world as I do pushes forward these things. Yeah. Transphobic systems, white supremacist systems. Sure. And and I have a responsibility to that in terms of how I move through the world and how much harm I'm doing simply based upon the way in which like I'm not relating. I'm not to I'm not people. living in the woods right. and just, you know, eating spare blackberries and like not engaging yeah. in any kind like I, I have a job and like animals that are already I, yeah I have a job I drive a car yeah, right, right, like, right, right. You know, I <laughs> yeah. go, I'm like I'm in part of it and so therefore like I do have a degree of complicity in these things that I think are super hor- horrible yeah and like, maybe I would call evil but in outside of even a moralistic sense but yeah. whatever that's a bigger conversation I mean even like there's a way I feel like there's a logical extreme that's like maybe a little bit helpful here just from like as like a thought experiment it's like you you cannot move through the world not doing harm because you will step on a bug and you will um 
you know, crush a flower. Like, there, we, I think you said it earlier, like, we have to be able to get on board with the fact that, like, being in relationships to anything and everything, including other humans and to ourselves, we are going to cause harm. I feel like there's, like, a way that I see a lot of people, especially white people, um, I will say, especially cis white women, uh, who kind of, um, need to like maintain this idea that they are never causing any harm um and that's a surefire way to cause more of it like you will only if you cannot get on board with the fact that like you have hurt people you will hurt people and that you are capable of hurting people like you're only gonna hurt more people and then like avoid accountability because if you were to apologize you would be like admitting to having hurt people and that would like tell you that you're a bad person and if you're truly invested in any system of like care or Mm -hmm. thoughtfulness i would argue that you have a responsibility to repair work yeah in 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 the harm that you move through the world also right and just understanding that as like a given of like being alive is a huge i think paradigm shift in how we think about consent yeah totally i was thinking about like um the way that you know, so many people maybe even like, first of all, I think most harm and include, including sexual harm, um, is unintentional and comes from lack of communication or unknown boundaries or, uh, unspoken boundaries, um, you know, mimicking things you've seen on TV, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but even if you know that you've done something wrong or like later realize that you've done something wrong with with the systems of accountability set up as they are with like a direct funnel to punishment why would people take accountability why would people say like oh wow i did this thing and it was really fucked up when i moved into my parents house during covid i just think of this as like kind of an example of this my i brought my cats home and they were only allowed to stay in my room um and my mom said if they pee outside the litter box you have to leave immediately And my immediate thought was not, like, how am I going to make sure that doesn't happen? It was, well, then I'm not going to tell you if it happens. And I feel like that is, like, the way that our systems of accountability are set up. Such that, like, if, first of all, no one who does, like, a sexual harassment training thinks, like, oh, I'm, good thing I did this training because now I'm not going to sexually harass people. (laughs) Like, people aren't realizing they're doing these things. But even if they do, and if they realize, like, oh, I did that in the past or did it knowingly in the first place, like, why would they take responsibility for that when all we're going to do is fire them, ostracize them, exile them, punish them? So I feel like we landed, yeah, like, the paradigm shift away from blame is, like, I feel like what this is all about. Which sort of, like, calls into, yeah, where... I don't know where people get their, like, moral systems. Yeah. Also, in that Big question. Yeah. I think we gotta wrap up. Okay. Yeah. That was great. I feel like we, like, even have a conclusion. Yeah. I think (laughs) I would like to talk (laughs) more about uh, body autonomy and consent in terms of, like, legislation depriving us of consent 
that's another like relationship we didn't talk about between like yeah like the law like the law yeah and government forces yeah ma- de- deciding our moral codes yeah yeah the police state right determining okay and creating things around body autonomy and um infringement of body autonomy and like forced pregnancy and stuff okay well stay tuned for part two i guess <laughs> yeah we can do part two yeah. <laughs> i'll see you like in three days yeah so we'll figure it out well thanks cj this was great yeah that was really great thanks for talking yeah thanks for doing it's so hot in here. It's pretty hot. Here. <laughs> pretty and hot. it's not just us. <laughs> it could be. It could be, but it's not. <laughs>